Hey, all you sexy souls, this is Mariah. I'm just letting you know that partway through this episode, the audio quality will change towards the end. We want to apologize for that. Unfortunately, when we were exporting this audio, the file was um, destroyed and we had to improvise and grab the audio from the video that we take for our patrons. So again, we know it's not the greatest and we really hope that we can give you better quality next time, but we just couldn't let this beautiful, wonderful episode with Dr. Lori Bennett Cook go to waste because she is absolutely amazing. So thank you for being patient. We love you all. See you next time. You're listening to the Salty Sex Cast with Pamela and Mariah. Yeah, and what's puberty? The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help. Hello. Oh, we're getting good. Just better and better each time. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I feel like we're on the same wavelength. But how are you doing, Pamela? I'm doing great. Just got back from a trip to Moab with Henry and Amanda, and it was fabulous. And then you came home, and it was freezing. Yeah, I did. I, I left Moab in sandals, and I got home and <laughs> realized that like it was snowing on the ground. And so I now have on a really interesting array of clothing. Um, you see my socks over How my cute. jeans. Hey, whatever. <laughs> and my tennis shoes. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it's pretty cute. So do you mind introducing, let's reintroduce ourselves for any newcomers, because I've kind of heard some whisperings that we've had a few shares. Oh, There's nice. a few extra people listening now. Oh, nice. Yeah, sure. So I'm Pamela. I um, own a boudoir photography studio. I co-own it with um, my buddy, Mateusz. Um, it's called Silk and Salt Photography, and we've been in business for almost two years now, and fucking love what we do we are all about um promoting female empowerment and body positivity and that is my only credential for being on this podcast is um it? and i love sex she loves sex and i'll talk about she anything has beautiful curly red hair and three partners and it's just an amazing person that's why <laughs> that's why she's on this podcast thanks mariah yeah all right now let's you. talk about you okay uh mariah and I own Balance Your Wellness. Um, it's a health consultancy business. So I'm a, a board certified health and wellness coach and also certified health education specialist. So that's bringing that education and the mm -hmm. coaching. And every once in a while, I notice I start coaching on and I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, but it's not a bad thing. And I definitely ask questions out of curiosity and not out of judgment, which mm -hmm. I think really helps bring in that that. Um, safe space that the salty sex cast is yeah non-judgment and then we have our producer brady do you want to say hello brady hey guys <laughs> and he owns i own murder shack studios at gmail.com there you go you own just the website or just, just the, the email address just the email address <laughs> no i i manage and uh facilitate the studio where we record this at yes you're and awesome. we appreciate you so much, Brady. Thank you. And you let us boss you around. You're like our little our little uh, podcast bitch. You let us hit you with dicks. Some people call misbehave. that a producer. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need for um, your credentials. You make a fantastic producer. But yes, I, I do let you hit me with dicks occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> and we have in the studio today the most fascinating guest. Um, Lori, would you like to give us a quick introduction? Uh, yeah, hello, I'm Dr. Lori Bennett-Cook. I'm a clinical sexologist, um, former sex worker at Mustang Ranch, certified surrogate partner therapist, um, former professional dominatrix. I'm married. I have four children. My partner has three children, so seven kids all together that we raised. Grandbaby number seven's on the way. Um, living in Salt Lake City right now from California. And what else? Oh, I do um, consulting work for different networks and things like that. So for anything all sex related. And then I have a few different papers that I write for. That's such so a long list. Yeah. I know. I we know. can go home. We can. <laughs> it's really what I hear. No, I love it. Thank you. I'm honored sure. to have you in the studio. Mm -hmm. It's been fantastic to hear everything that you're going to bring to us. 
I want to first start off with a kind of funny story. Before we really jump into the good stuff and why everyone's really listening, I'm going to grab your attention right now when I have you, but because <laughs> I like to do that. <laughs> anyway, talking about our name, we are the Salty Sex Cast, right? Mm-hmm. Cast as in like casting. Is that why we keep getting those? We keep getting messages, messages. online for people who want work in pornography <laughs> and adult films. They're like, you I give me work. If yes. they need that. Yeah, they're like, you give me work and start sending photos. And I'm like, no, I don't give you work. I have no work to give you. Um, it's typically it's always foreign. men, foreign men, foreign men, lots of foreign men. And they're always coming, you know, like, hey, and, and like giving us like dick measurements. And I'm like, good for you. I'm so proud of you. We are a podcast. <laughs> like, it's, it's just kind of funny. It's on Facebook that kind of they must just do like sex and casting or something. And we come up. But I felt like that was kind of funny when I finally, it dawned on me. They're looking for, we, they think we are a casting agency for adult films. <laughs> Fabulous. Hmm. Yeah. I'm hearing another source of revenue. <laughs> I was going to say. get on it. You would love to I'm going to be an agent to the porn stars. Uh, <laughs> casting director, I can see it. Oh, that's fabulous. So, Lori, could you um, tell us a little bit about what a sexologist does? Like, what are your, how did you become a sexologist? A sexologist? What are your credentials? What was the process? Uh, the process was actually started years ago. I, um, I mean, the, the typical process is school. You sure. Know, if you want to go to school to do that. For myself, I was at a motorcycle rally with my husband. We both ride Harleys. And I wanted to get a t-shirt that said Mustang Ranch on it. So I went to the booth. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a t-shirt. Never been to a brothel in my life, but I'm going to go get a t-shirt that says so because <laughs> it's just cool to do. Sure. Um, I was in law school at the time. And we went to the booth, talked to the lady, and just kept talking and talking and asking all the questions about the work and everything. And finally, she gave me her card, and she said, call me. I think you'd be great to come work for me. And I went, thanks, you know. <laughs> That's a really sweet flattery, but I'm not 22-type bodied platinum blonde. Like, yeah. doesn't work. She said, no, you'd be great for our businessmen because you're the type of personality and the look that they, that they look for whatever that is. Um, so I took her card. I was totally flattered, forgot to get the t-shirt, um, <laughs> went home, sat on it for a year, but read everything that I could about sex work. And it completely fascinated me, completely wow. fascinated me enough that I also knew that this is not something that would be for me because I just didn't think that I had what it would take to do something like that. Yeah. Um, what the did more you I, think you were lacking in? I realized that in my research that I did of it and knowing myself too, to put yourself up there and negotiate a price and everything like the, the level of confidence that you have to have to have that, you know, most, I didn't realize that you negotiate the price with each client. I thought that it was a set price. Mm -mm. You get to negotiate what you do, who you do it with, what you charge, everything. And you know, most people will say like those poor women and such low self-esteem. And I'm like, Mm-mm. daddy issues. Oh That's yeah. That's what you always hear. No. Uh-huh. It takes, you know, if you could do anything better, you would. And mm. so we went back a year later and they had at the rally, they had what they call a cat house poker run, which is where you get to go with biker community. Doing a poker run is pretty common, but you get to go from brothel to brothel and do get your cards there and you get to tour the place and talk to the people that work there and I was of course just like we're doing this and of course my husband's like darn I guess (laughs) I'll go along Um, so we went to all the different brothels and the last stop was the same place where I wanted to get a t-shirt before and so I'm like this time I'm getting a t-shirt so I was looking through the t-shirts on the racks and for whatever reason I was kind of nervous about going in because it was kind of intimidating it was a such a big beautiful building and um while I was looking he nudged me and he said hey there's your friend that you know you're talking to I just like teasing and I looked up and we made eye contact and she made a beeline for me and she said you didn't call I was expecting you to call last time and she took me by like grabbed my wrist and said come on we're gonna go interview and I was like oh shit oh my goodness (laughs) what does this look like you get interviewed to be a hooker like what is this (laughs) so we did Um, and the interview was really fascinating to me because having been a psychology major, that's primarily what it was about. It was more about, um, 
dealing with different personalities of people and not shaming people mm. and how emotional you emotional intelligence mm-hmm, on exactly that. and yeah. if you have the right personality and the chops for that kind of job because having done it now I can see that it takes a certain personality to do the work mm-hmm. um so we left there and we agreed that I would come back for two weeks and just give it a try and see if we were a fit for each other um and so and you were in law school at the time yes so how did that work? So I was in law school at the time. I made my time for when I took my midterms. Okay. And then after midterms, I took a sabbatical, and I was didn't have to be back for another month. Um, I put in my two-week vacation for work, and I went to go work for there. I, I was doing midterms, and then I came back, had a month off, took my two-week vacation, went to go work for two weeks because I was thinking, this will be like a bucket list thing. You yeah. know, I can say I did it. That'll be fun. And at the end of the two weeks, I was like, wow, this is, I've never done anything like this. And I went back to work, and my boss was so sweet. She was like, oh, I missed you. And I was a blood banker at the time. And, you know, it was great. And she gave me a $500 bonus. And I was looking at that going, and it, it pre-sex work, I would have been like, wow, thanks. <laughs> Post-sex work, I was like, $500? Really? Might as well, yeah. Huh. Slap me in the face. Like, I did that in 30 minutes, but okay. And so you, know? you so you were in your 20s at the time. No, I was oh. 41. Oh, you were 41? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was saying. I was like, I So you had already the, had a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Life and, experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And your yeah. husband was fully supportive of you taking time yeah. away from We have a pretty unique family. relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we agreed I would go to work. And that's when I took the actual sabbatical from law school. I'm like, all right, I'm doing this for a year. Um, I worked week on, week off, went back and forth. Uh, and then after that, I learned so much about people and what goes on behind closed doors. And uh, it was just it was fascinating to me. And when I left there, um, I went to go back to law school, and it was like my heart just wasn't in it. Mm. I was like, this isn't it. So I started researching, like, how do I – what grad schools are there for something to do with sex? Yeah. Yeah. I have to ask, mm-hmm. did being a sex worker ever negatively impact your sexual relationship with your husband? Or Thank you for asking. Did oh. it improve it? It actually, I would say, sex, it actually, I would say it, it hurt it. And in not the sense that um, it, it hurt it in the way that I would be gone for a week on, week off, during that time and I would be so exhausted from sex when I got back because I I had multiple people I was having sex with every single day sure and I would come home and I'd just be like ugh, don't touch me unless it's like give me a massage it's all for me and prior to that you know having an open relationship we would have you know play with other people or have you know a lot of fun with each other and stuff and it it just I was just tired at that time yeah. so, so you, needed, you needed a break when you mm-hmm. got, got home yeah I would okay. get home and he was fantastic he would he was very patient and loving and kind. He never complained, never Aww. complained. Um, but, and he saw that I was just like, I just needed. The one thing that I did really enjoy with him though, and maybe this is why he didn't complain, is because whenever I would come home, I was all about giving him blowjobs. Because <laughs> working at the brothel, all sex and everything that we did was with condoms. So I was like, I'm like latex in my mouth was just like, oh, I'm over it. So you didn't like, have to do that with him. No. So you were like, I so need I to like, do give this. Give me that skin. And I, I know. It's like, come taken. on. I just need to just texture. Like, <laughs> he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he didn't Maybe complain. that's why he didn't complain. Yeah. 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 But that I makes can see a lot of how sense. that, yeah, it could be very draining. And it's, it's mm-hmm. not that you didn't enjoy it, but it's like you give, give, give. You almost need a little recharge time. Mm-hmm. And then when yeah. he's so excited to see you and you're like, I just need a recharge. I just need a recharge. Yeah. Like, just make me a massage or some love and, um, for a long time after that, it made me a really selfish lover because Ooh. it was constantly like giving, giving, giving and for mm. other people. And so it was like, if I'm going to be on a date with somebody else, it's like, okay, it's about me. Like, this yeah. is what I want right now. So how and long? Most people don't complain, though. How <laughs> long did you work there? Just for a year. For a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it, mm. and it started to feel like a job after a year. And then that's when I knew it was probably time that, and I started really eyeing the position of like madam, like I would really like to have gone into management or madaming or something. Yeah. So I think everybody's dying to know, mm-hmm. did you ever get the shirt? 
I did. Okay, good. Thank you. Good. I She's did. like, I earned my stripes. But you know, when I got the shirt, I actually got it. With um, an employee discount. <laughs> this is true. Free. <laughs> <laughs> true. But I got it on, because I was, I, I didn't buy it. And then when I was working there, I was like, oh, now I work here. I should get a shirt. And some of the ladies that I work with actually got me one. And I still have it. It's hanging up. It's actually in my safe at home. But it's all... Um, with signatures of all the different ladies that I worked Aww. with and some of the clients and stuff. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, that. it was really cool. It means a lot more than just a, a, a yeah. booth at a rally, right? So I have my shirt and I don't oh. ever wear it now. It's like, there it is. Yeah. It's incredible. So, so cool. what kind of money did you make there? Like, so I was made that a, b- a big part of the draw? Oh, was yeah. making the good money? <laughs> yeah. You know, it wasn't at first because at first I was just doing it for like, this is a bucket list. Sure. Mm-hmm. But once I decided that I'm going to be there for a while and I knew what kind of money other women were drawing, um, the first week that I was there, I just took whatever was coming my way. I was like, okay. Somebody would say, I have $300. I'm like, all right. The house gets half. So that would be $150 for me. And I didn't balk at it because outside there I was doing it for free anyway so right. I was like still $150 for 15 minutes of my time <laughs> I'm good yeah um a week into it I was like I'm just gonna try this for fun you know putting up a big number and I got chosen in a lineup by this young guy he was like 25 or something there were a lot of younger people young men that would have you milf. wanted the milk yeah yes. yeah so <laughs> so he he asked and um you know, I was like, oh, so how much for a full hour? They always ask for a full hour, but they usually don't take a full hour. <laughs> doesn't take that much time. <laughs> the sex is so pretty sad. quick. Yeah. But, you know, the rest of the time it's like drinking a bottle of wine and sitting in the hot tub yeah. and visiting and enjoying and whatever. But anyway, he asked for a full hour and, and I just was like super confident, even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I was like, well, I never take less than $1,000 an hour for my time. And he was like, okay. without a blink (laughs) without a blink and I was like why did I ask for more (laughs) so from that point forward I was you know between a thousand and fifteen hundred an hour that is amazing they're there for an experience I mean and that's one of those things even Mm -hmm. you said you were there for an experience for Mm -hmm. yourself I'm sure a lot of men are there for an experience and a bucket list for themselves Mm -hmm. too and are willing to pay the big bucks yeah I'm willing to pay quite a bit of money for a fun experience but it's not just the sex that they're paying for yeah oh they're paying I mean they know that what they're doing there is not going to follow them into their everyday life they can have any kind of fantasy or activity or anything that they want acted or played out and they're going to be met with, okay, let's go. And not just mm. like, oh, you're gross not or that's judgment. weird or anything yeah. like that. It was it's just like, this is your playground. So so what are yeah. some of the things that you learned about people? You said you men- had mentioned that you learned some things about mm-hmm. people behind closed doors that you never would have. Yeah. The people are a lot more vulnerable than they put on airs about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, all of us have something that we're in the closet about. Mm. It's the rare person that's like, yeah, I, I can tell you exactly what it is that I like but most everybody has something that they're afraid to talk about sexually and usually that's because they they try to bring these things up with a partner and they get shot down or over conversation they'll talk about like oh yeah you know Susie likes to suck toes and all her friends go oh that's gross and really they're throwing it out there because they're like oh I like to suck toes right but everybody thinks it's gross so who do I tell that to right they're trying to get validation they they show up at a brothel and they pay four hundred dollars so they can suck somebody's toes but then they get to have that experience too it's that important to them to have that to have that experience because our our sexual desires are the core of of who we are it's how we all got here we all got here through sexual activity so one way or another yeah we all came from sex yeah sex is or people are sexually transmitted. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. I like Shouldn't that. be so much shame in it. <laughs> no, it's so yeah. true. Yeah. I'm curious about your, mm-hmm. um, your upbringing. Like, yeah. How, how exactly did you know that you were a kinky person? Like, did you mm-hmm. always know that you were a kinky person? I didn't know kinky was a thing. Yeah. But, um, I always like played with my Barbies naked uh-huh. and would um I, ha- I had this dollhouse that was like it's I still have it actually oh yeah um <laughs> my niece plays with it now. 
<laughs> but it's like you know it's almost five feet tall and I would take the one Barbie and take a shoelace and tie her up and hang her upside down from the balcony and she'd be calling for help because she got punished there by her evil parents and then <laughs> Ken would have to come and save her and but, she was naked but the only right? way that, oh she's totally <laughs> naked but the only way he would save her is if she would like put out for him and oh damn. I was like I was still 12 and playing with Barbies but yeah. this is how I was playing with them too so I don't know what my parents ever thought going in my room and seeing Barbies hanging upside down tied up by shoelaces but you know she was naughty <laughs> they, they might have put it at together that age now. they were still naked yeah yeah they might have put it together I remember now. <laughs> taking like tan play-doh mm -hmm. and like making a little donut hole on the female barbie and then like a little wiener shape on the male barbie <laughs> so i could actually watch them fuck nice yeah i i did yeah. a lot of kinky stuff with barbies yeah too. how old were you I, I was in my teens. Yeah, like 13, See? 12, you're 13. Still playing with Bar yeah. That's so funny. I was yeah. not mm -hmm. that creative. I didn't <laughs> have Barbies. It was at a friend's house. So oh. I'm it's not just me. Whoa. I was bringing down people with me. Good girl. Mm -hmm. Nice. Why weren't we friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so I remember that. And that was uh -huh. like something I hid for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her mom was like, why is there Play-Doh all over the floor? And I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah like yeah you have uh -huh. these things that you get to play out in safety of imagination and stuff but you don't but know where it comes from mm -mm. when you're a kid you no. don't know why and and you know we as we get older tend to pathologize everything so we think like oh they must have been exposed to something or it must have been because of some childhood trauma or it must have been like whatever the things are and and know, it's I, always a negative connotation always right? a negative connotation same thing <laughs> why women you know not just women but anybody goes into sex work because you can't find other work because mm. you have daddy issues because you weren't loved as a child or you're trying to work something out um you know the people that i met when i worked there were some of the most healthy educated women i've ever come across yeah and you have to really know yourself well mm -hmm. and be a strong personality and the level of confidence that it takes to put yourself out there and be able to handle any of those yeah. situations. And hold good boundaries for yourself. Hold good boundaries for yourself. Hold space and capacity for other for people. Others. Yeah, be compassionate. Multiple times a day. Yeah. Oh, it's totally therapeutic. Yeah. Totally therapeutic. Mm. So. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. The sex workers that we've met through doing mm -hmm. this podcast have been far more intelligent than I am. Like I've, I've been. Well, they're they're brilliant and confident. They all brilliant sing that same tune mm -hmm. for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's definitely that, or they're feeding you something in the water. So yeah. <laughs> every brothel ever, right, <laughs> has the secret recipe. Yeah, no, there's got to yeah. be just a, something amazing part of that, and. Seeing people trust you with their most vulnerable thoughts, mm -hmm. you have to be humble in that area. So it's really sacred neat. ground, mm -hmm. I think. When somebody comes to me, whether now as a therapist, if they come to me as a client that way, or if, you know, as somebody that I was seeing as a sex, sex worker, it's such a vulnerable part of our being. And it really is sacred ground. It's not something to exploit. How do you um, apply what you've learned there in your practice now? Obviously, people are being very, very vulnerable with mm -hmm. you. You have to, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to be, but you choose to tread lightly. You choose mm -hmm. to protect that information. How else has it either improved or, or opened doors that maybe another sex therapist or anyone mm -hmm. who hasn't I think it. That? I think it benefits me in the regard that... The clients that I see, um, whether they be um, former sex workers or current sex workers, um, polyamorous swingers in the BDSM kink community, any of those things, um, they're all areas that I haven't s just studied, but they're all areas that I have personal life experience in. Mm -hmm. So wherever you're at, like, I get it. I totally get what that means. And I know what it means. I know the language. I know what it means to be in that space. Um, yeah, so it, I think that that helps me help my clients better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, oh, sorry, no, I was going to yeah, ask a question. <clears throat> Do you ever prescribe anything? Like go to a sex club. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, go to a dungeon. Let's go toy shopping. Yeah, and I go with people sometimes. Okay. That's one of the beauties about being um, degreed and not licensed. Mm -hmm. I have more flexibility with what I can do, what I can talk to my clients about. I can talk to them about watching porn. I can, you know, hand them different books. I own the largest erotic library in the world. 
unfortunately, most of it's stored in San Francisco. It's not here in Salt Lake City. Um, <laughs> for anyone who's listening, <laughs> um, but you know, I can I can go with them to these different places as well, because it can be really scary. And and here I have people that will be like, it's their first time going to a toy store. What do I shop for? How do I look? And I think it's kind of cruel to just be like, just go on your own and figure it out, you know, rather it's better. Like, let me go with you. I'll show Mm -hmm. you what the different things are. I know the people who work there. Mm -hmm. We can take things out. You can feel it, touch it, see what it's like. It's like going to to the gym with someone who knows and you're not just on the machine throwing shit around and everyone's (laughs) filming (laughs) right on the internet. (laughs) You have a friend. This is your, this is your body you know and I want to be able to be a great sex enabler and help you have the best sex possible and if I do my job right I work my way out of working with you so Mm -hmm. hopefully give you all the tools and the skills so that you can confidently feel that you can go about everything in a way that feels good to you whatever that looks like do the people in the shops say hi, doctor, mm-hmm. when you come Sometimes. in? Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> hey, doc. Yeah. Okay. Hey, doc. Doc LBC. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I love it. You know when your name is reduced to initials that you're pretty fucking important. <laughs> I think it's That's because I lived in the anyway. LBC. I lived in Long Beach. Yeah. Oh, Long okay. Beach crew. So, yeah. <laughs> and then initials are LBC and yeah, yeah. just stuck. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. I want to know more about kind of your earlier experiences. Mm-hmm. So you were raised religious. You told mm-hmm. me earlier in a religious household. And then I guess you went to school. And then how did you become introduced to, you know, anything outside of this the deviant l- life? Yeah. The, the norm. <laughs> anything outside the norm. So I was raised, I was raised LDS and I grew up um, mostly in California. We moved out to Salt Lake City for a few years. My dad went to college out here hmm. and then we were here, lived in Payson and Goshen, so way out there. <laughs> and then we moved back to California. Um, I never thought of my life as restricted or oppressed or LDS or anything like that because I didn't, I didn't know any different. I yeah. mean, it's just the way it right. was. Yeah. Um, I married the first boyfriend that I had. We had had sex and it was like, well, we're getting married Mm -hmm. because that's what we do. Um, And then as soon as we got married, I became a breeder, had three kids by the time I was 20. Oh, a breeder. I like how you say that. (laughs) Yes. But that's that's what you do, right? That is what you do. And I never questioned anything because it's just the way it was. You know, it's just how you do. Um, The religious and church just kind of faded out I never left because I didn't I had um, questions or or didn't believe anything um, I left just because it was just you had to get up early to go to seminary <laughs> I'm not a morning person and, I think know. the church loses so many people because of it early morning early seminary. mornings what is this about uh, and then I just got busy with life and then when it came time when I started thinking about that that's when I started questioning things and was like oh, this doesn't really make sense to me um when my first husband and I divorced uh, we just grew apart you know nothing yeah. nothing wrong on his part or my part or anything like that there wasn't any um abuse or hurt or, or animosity yeah. or anything it was just I mean I was 16 when we got married he was 18 so did a lot of growing yeah. <laughs> between yeah. then and um so we divorced in my early 30s, and then I started finally, for the first time in my life, actually dating people. And I met a guy that was like a friend with benefits. I'd never had that before. And he had been married a couple times before and said that, you know, if he was to ever get in a relationship again, then it would not be um, monogamous. And I was like, what does that even mean? I don't know what that means. And he ends up being the person I'm married to now. So, Yeah. <laughs> So he introduced you to yes. the whole idea of non-monogamy. Yes. I didn't know what that meant. And I thought, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was a strange thing. You know, well, that's because you haven't found the right woman oh. like me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, I laugh because I've had the same thought. So <laughs> right, I, right. That's not a judgment. That's a, yes, I've had that thought. You don't know any different. Uh-huh. You just don't know any different. And so, he, you know, he was saying, well, you should you should date around you haven't had those experiences not to try to get rid of me but he's like you just you haven't had a lot of experience in your life just go explore yourself see what that's like yeah so I did and um it was interesting because we would go 
I would go out and then I would come back and I would go out and I would come back and our relationship continued to grow and be solid and it was like, all right, this is actually a thing. Yeah. 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 And it sounds like it was really healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I heard mm-hmm. a little bit of that backstory and it was just a very healthy from kind of the beginning and it wasn't yeah. anything that was... We didn't have the verbiage for it. We didn't know. There really, you know, this is 20 years ago, there really wasn't a lot of, there still aren't really role models for anything outside heteronormative monogamy. Um, we tried to see different therapists at the time just to be like, how do we maneuver this? Mm. Because... Uh, there were assumptions which happen a lot in relationships, so not a lot of, you know. Any relationship. Actually, yeah. For sure. <laughs> and any time we were having any kind of a disagreement or struggle, of course, the therapists that we're seeing were always because of, well, that's because of the non-monogamy. And uh-huh. if, you know, uh-huh. and it was like as soon as you come back to that, then back to a regular heteronormative monogamy, then everything would be fine. And it was like, no, we're not. We're not, you're not, you're not hearing us. Like that's, that's not what it is. Actually, he's just being an asshole right now. It's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. Hear me <laughs> out. He's not using his words. He's used your words. Yes. <laughs> I feel statements right now. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So, so, mm-hmm. all right. So you're, you're 31 and you meet your husband mm-hmm. and then what happens between that and law school? Like what, what did you do? In your um, I was, I explored, um, I was an EMT for a while. That's where we met. And then I became, I always wanted to go to law school. So I was still going, I went back to college and okay. that's when I went in and got psychology and a uh, minor in crim law. And okay. Just so it wasn't until that. your experience at the um, Mustang Ranch mm-hmm. that you decided, oh, I really need to go into Find a sex related field. Se- yeah. Yeah. Because the more I was seeing, it was like, there's so little education. There's so little mm-hmm. affirming anything mm-hmm. about our different sexualities. And there's, yeah. there just really aren't any healthy role models for like, this can work. <clears throat> I had so many people concerned about, you know, like, your husband's really okay with this? I'm like, my husband's fine. <laughs> He's a grown man. And if he didn't like it, he would not be here, you know? Yeah. And this yeah. can, you know, stem from, look at our sex education model. It's the avoidance of disease. Mm-hmm. It's nothing at all about optimal sexuality. It's we n- don't There's no pleasure. Nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone, they're kind of like, wait, I get to think about my pleasure, not mm-hmm. just avoid the bad things. And so it's so hard for anyone. Mm-hmm. So I love that you saw that complete lack of role model and... For like, sure. Bitch, I'm going to be my own. Right? <laughs> and so I'm <laughs> sure that's exactly what that inner monologue was. That's what it was. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> but, you know, we don't have, everything's like disease-based. Most states still don't require sex education. And those that do don't even require it to be accurate. They don't require consent. They don't require pleasure talk or anything like that. And they usually have nurses that come in and they still to this day will show you pictures if they're talking about... Um, genital warts. They'll show you pictures of somebody with like, looks like cauliflower growing down their inner thighs and say, this is what can happen to you. And it's like, uh, it's not really accurate, actually. It'll look like skin tags and most people get it at some point. You don't even know you have it and it goes away. Yeah. Or they'll talk about syphilis and they'll show a baby with whoops, with weeping eyes and, you know, going blind. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's not accurate either. Or herpes and they'll show somebody with like cold sores and then you've got the poor kid at school that's never even kissed anybody that has a cold sore and everybody's like oh my god you have herpes what's wrong with you and there's so much stigma and so much shame when really it's like yeah you get all these things there's treatments for everything now and just go enjoy yourself Right. That's the Mm -hmm. conclusion that I had to come to as well. And my husband was so concerned when I wanted to start sleeping around. And Mm -hmm. he was like, well, you could catch something. Mm -hmm. And so I did a little research and I was like, you know what? Most things you can resolve with Mm -hmm. medication. Yeah. And the chances of me catching something are so minuscule as well. Not that I'm saying that you out there should not use protection. Part Mm -hmm. of the reason that the chances are minuscule is that you're you're smart and using protection and being very careful about. Yes and no. But yeah. most people are using protection because they'll use condoms and they'll be like, that's my protection. Mm. The thing is, is they get together and they'll have oral sex and they'll be kissing all over each other and rubbing up all against each other and everything. And then just before the point of penetration, then they'll be like, 
I'll put on a condom. It's like, well, you've already touched and rubbed all the things. Like, if you're going <laughs> to yeah. get anything, it's already, it's already it. happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually it happens because people will do things like wax or shave right before they're going to have intercourse. And then you have, like, these little tiny microabrasions, and any kind of infection has a way to get into mm-hmm. your body. So, you know, give yourself a little time. Your personal hygiene, same thing, same way you keep yourself safe from a cold or the flu or whatever hygiene, wash your hands, wash your genitals, keep yourself clean, is really your best bet against COVID has taught us how to wash our hands. Finally. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Something good came from Mm -hmm. it. The lady that does my wax tells me to wait 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Or or if you're going to have oral sex, like people like brush, 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 scrub their teeth and it's like, you ever notice like sometimes if you scrub, 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 and then mm-hmm. you, you bleed. Yeah, it's you like, bleed. Yeah. yeah. And you just like a little mouth yourself wash, up. piece of gum. Just whatever. <laughs> Most people aren't going to care because your mouth's not going to be on their mouth. It's going to be down below anyway. So <laughs> get on it. Brush your teeth <laughs> after. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I brush my teeth for me because I don't want like weird smelling breath that I have to smell before on you go else's. down on somebody else. Yeah. Cause yes. yeah. When you lick them, someone you lick it and, and then, then you can smell it kind of smell there. it. I have a thing about smells. So you could me. like pop an Altoid at the same time you're doing that. And that it has like this minty cool <gasps> menthol that gives a oh really spicy kind one. of, I'm yeah. <laughs> reaction. What other tips can you give us? <laughs> There's others. Yeah. I love it. I've That's heard swallow or spit. Don't let it sit. That's one way to keep yourself from getting anything in your mouth. Like, I've make up your mind beforehand what you're going to do. Don't yeah. just sit there and go like, mm, mm, That should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Swallow or spit. Don't, don't let it don't sit. Don't let it sit. Okay, our Salty Sex yeah. Test t-shirts will be available online <laughs> <laughs> in like two years because we yeah. <laughs> something that's that's what it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I've heard someone said the cough drop mm-hmm. with the menthol, menthol like feeling, you know, mm. you can put a cough drop in yeah. your mouth before you eat someone out or, mm-hmm. or, or you know. Pop so. rocks. I haven't tried that. I don't know. Hmm. That sounds it, like a yeast infection. It doesn't work. It, it, it's a myth that floats around yeah. in junior high, yeah. but it doesn't work. Yeah. And then because another myth too tried it is people, people worry about catching STIs from people who have multiple sex partners or from sex workers. and They're the, the safest ones, though. I'm sorry, but getting an STI is bad for business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thousands of partners, I have not contracted anything because you just know how to be safe. Yeah. And in the poly world, too, mm-hmm. you know, most people are really used to talking mm-hmm. about consent, safe sex, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it's taking the time extremely to necessary to communicate. And right. so there's really like it's quite easy to negotiate those things, whereas in a lot of monogamous relationships, they're just have they have <gasps> How different dare expectations. You ask me to wear a condom, I'm yeah. clean. You know, yeah. it's a very offensive. And even yeah, just yeah. saying clean or dirty is like I, right, wrong. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's that language. That yeah, but then people don't carry condoms with them because then it's just like, what are you expecting? You're right. expecting to get laid right now, so then they take they more don't? risk that way. A lot of people don't. Was no. I weird? <laughs> No, you were prepared. You were prepared. My mom was yeah. a nurse, mm-hmm. and so I was encouraged to be the kid to ask the questions in class that they can only talk about if you ask. But the most comprehensive sex ed I ever got was from the military. Really? They actually taught us how to make a dental dam out of a condom mm-hmm. for oral sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't even know that was a thing until I was probably... I've never done it. I but didn't know I know how to. Pamela. <laughs> there you go. That's a good skill. Oh, I told, be. I told you. <laughs> I think it was on like the episode two uh-huh. when we had like our oral... We talked about that, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, you learn things when you listen Don't to our cha. podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Even I do. <laughs> well, that's mainly why we do this. Right. right. Educate I, ourselves. Yeah. And like, it's just selfish yeah. reasons. Yeah. I'll just hit record on the way. There you go. <laughs> um, so you left the Mustang Ranch and... Mm-hmm. Did you take a hiatus from sex after that for a while or from? It was probably a good six months before I was like back to where I was pre, yeah, pre working at the brothel. Yeah. And then where did you go from there? I, I mean, obviously you've, you've had a lot of different experiences. Mm-hmm. So um, how did you get into doming, for example? So I left there and I was going back to law school and then it just wasn't, my heart wasn't in it. So I went and started, um, grad school for sexology and while I was there it was like there was a lot of academia but there were things talking about um, you'll have couples that come to you that want a BDSM experience and I'm like okay we I'm reading about this but what is it like Mm -hmm. I didn't understand the the psychology behind it why Mm -hmm. somebody would you know 
you, you hear all the things like, oh, they must really secretly like to be abused or, you know, hmm. the person who doms is actually a violent person and that's why they like to, do, I mean, all the stigma things that you hear and it's like, well, it can't be like that. So you were hearing um, those things in school? No, just hearing those textbook? things just from people in general, like in the textbooks, you would hear stuff about it, but. I'm experiential and I want to like see it, know it. And it's like, that's what the textbooks says, but, but sh like, show me, where's this at? Yeah. Um, so I was going to school in San Francisco. So I went to the Citadel there and went to a, the dungeon and just observed the DM that was working was great. He just answered questions and I was still kind of intimidated by different things I was seeing. And, um, my husband and I were there and I, I stood back and I was kind of like, Oh, there's one person getting their balls stomped on over here and somebody's like getting whipped over here and screaming and crying and I'm just like well this is a little overwhelming for me and then all of a sudden this elderly couple must have been probably at least in I mean they were they had to be in their 80s and grandpa walks by and he's just in his tidy whities and he's got a leash and grandma's behind him with a collar <laughs> and she's in this little negligee with a little furry Victoria's Secret kind of slippers Aww. and he walks over to this <laughs> to the like you know this bench and and signals to the DM and he comes and helps hoist grandma up and then grandpa just gets together and um starts tying her up and everything and bringing out the toys and I'm like there we go that's Wh what this is about like it's <laughs> about pleasure and play and fun and I think yeah. I missed it but when you say DM do you mean dungeon master dungeon monitor monitor okay mm -hmm. Why do you want master. that to be your new nickname, Brady? Mm -hmm. No, I was just curious. Earn it. I was just, just curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Because the DM can be male, female, trans, mm -hmm. anybody. Okay. Any yeah, I was. Just, I just yeah. had never heard yeah. that word before, so oh, I wanted okay. to ask. Yeah. yeah. Dungeon monitor, and they're the ones that just kind of like oversee and make sure everything's being done safely, and if anybody needs help with anything. So yeah, so it was. You know, it was like, all right, we got. They're having fun. Like here we go, and then it like changed my lens and I was able to look around and then my husband and I went back to the hotel and we were kind of like just processing and just whatever the next morning though it was a really good time <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good time he had been taking notes obviously <laughs> so yeah yeah that's fun and it was kind of funny because he was the one that when I was like you know all right this is I want to try all these things and I want to you know I want you to do all these different things to me. He's like, oh, I don't know about that. I think that's, you know, and you get fed these things too, especially like as a man, like you never hit mm. a woman and you never yeah. do things that yeah. are harmful and you learn to make love and be kind and all that's really beautiful. But if it's not what your partner's asking for, you know? Yeah. So um, he, w he struggled for a little bit. He was just like, yeah, I don't think that's something I could, I could ever do. But now he's the one with like the giant suitcase full of toys and all the things and into needles and stuff that I'm just like, mm -mm. nope. Well, I'm glad that you <laughs> touched on doms aren't necessarily violent people because I'm not a violent person. Not and, at all. And sometimes I'm afraid to admit that I dom because it's there's a lot of negative connotation mm -hmm. to that word. But the difference is, is that you're doming and you're offering and giving a, an experience to your partner that they enjoy as well. Yeah. It's it's. A very different than an abusive situation well, and, and she's being harmful and she's truly the one in control mm -hmm. i'm mm -hmm. i'm fulfilling requests i'm not mm -hmm. yeah she's she can shut it down at any time mm -hmm. so yeah because i mean mariah would you consider me a violent person <laughs> with your words or with your body <laughs> i do have a sharp tongue <laughs> no i wouldn't consider uh, you a violent person i like to say it's like the this the, the person who's bottoming whether it's a ds you know submissive relationship or if it's just you know for play and it's just topping and bottoming at that time but the bottom person gets to basically they there's a buffet and they're saying like i like this and this and this that's my favorite right there these things over here i'm allergic to off the table and and then they sit back and whoever's topping gets to arrange the plate and the amounts on the plate and serve it and surprise. That's genius. That's yeah. a great metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you when I'm full with my safe word. Our safe <laughs> word, my husband and I, is monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That's the best safe uh, word I've heard. Yeah. That's. I've heard. Yeah. That's probably my new favorite. I've never called it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never needed it. I don't want to say it. <laughs>
I think I've needed it before, but I just don't want to say it. <laughs> okay, so you had this experience with your husband the next morning, and then how did you get into doming yourself? So I got into doming myself because I was, when I was going to school still, and I, school was in San Francisco, so I would go down there for three weeks at a time and go home and everything like that, and it it really piqued my interest, the experience that we had at the dungeon, so when I would go down there, he'd come down as well sometimes and go check it out. And I wanted to um, just learn more about it. So I took a course there with um, a couple of dominatrixes that were that worked there, okay. and we had the weekend, and it was all about female domination and empowerment and everything. And we were there for like four days, for like twelve hours a day for four days, wow. and stuff. And it was a bit overwhelming, but so enlightening and so amazing. Were they hands-on classes? Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah, they had people that volunteered to be the submissives for the That's days incredible. and stuff. Yeah, it really was. Um, Please bring this to Salt Lake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, you. Yeah. yeah. And it was so beautiful to see how those that wanted to submit, how they would just, they would just, regardless of what activity, if it was just, um, you know, verbal or physical or whatever, but they were really just melting into themselves and mm. really enjoying what their experience was. Um, and so then leaving there, and I had still, I still have continued to do escorting all throughout the years because I just really enjoy it. And then clients that would come to me and you know, had in the past had said it was something they wanted, but I was like, well, I don't know really anything about it. So I started dabbling and trying with it and realizing it was a pretty cool thing to offer. Yeah. So, yeah. So I have a few clients that can offer that too, but yeah. Not since COVID. <laughs> right. COVID has shut all the fun things down. So and then kind of from there you got your doctorate. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. That's Thank a big you. feat. Thank you and, very much. Um, yeah, when I turned everything in, I was done and I remember thinking like, oh yeah, I'm done. I felt so good, it was so great and everything. And then I sat back and I just started bawling, <laughs> just like cried and like wow. And then for like two weeks, I was like, what am I doing with all my time right, right now? Like mm -hmm. I don't even know what to do. It's mm -hmm. a big void. So you're saying you have a little bit difference between a licensed mm -hmm. therapist mm -hmm. and 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 being. I'm sorry. What were the words that you used? I have a degree. Not a license. Degreed, yes. not licensed. Okay, those are the two mm -hmm. words you used. Um, because I've always struggled with that. And like, you know, yes, I understand that licensure is really important mm -hmm. and, and their code of conduct is like mm -hmm. super, super strict. So we've had therapists in here who have actually had to stay off of camera mm -hmm. because of what they were talking about. They could lose their license mm -hmm. just having a, a conversation. Conversation. Mm -hmm. A needed, needed mm -hmm. conversation. So what do you love about that freedom and what, how has it helped your clients now? I just feel like I can really get to the core of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I can talk bluntly. I can, like I said, I can go with a client to a toy store. I can sit there with them and really talk like, you know, you say it's not working with your partner, like tell me, like, let's use the verbiage that's actually taking place. We don't have to dance around anything. Mm -hmm. um, I can prescribe to you to watch porn. We can talk about the porn that you're watching. I can tell you what sites to go to. You know, here's the toys that I have in my office. Let me, you know, you don't have to pull down your pants and show you how to use it, but I can, you know, mimic and show you how to you use these things. You through it, some of them are intimidating as fuck. Well, and it's, again, sex is tactile, we learn by doing, and you can't just be like, just go play with yourself out, for an you know? hour. Or if I have I also am a certified surrogate partner, so that means that I work hands-on with clients as well. Um, clients that you know could be 40, 50, 60-year-old virgins, and by virgin, I might be the first person whose hand that they've held or the first kiss that they've had, and you know the first time it's like we're going to lunch together so that you can learn how to be on a date because you can't just tell somebody like that like go on OkCupid. Okay, figure it out like that's just cruel mm -hmm. I think that's actually gonna cause more trauma I would completely yeah completely so teaching people how to use the skills let's practice these skills so that you can go out and be successful with them 
But then you have all this education, all these certificates mm -hmm. to back up what you do. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love that and really, really highly respect that. So. Thank you. Another word goes Thank into you. it. <laughs> A lot of work does go into it. It's kind of discouraging because the, um, the field of sexology is not regulated. Mm -hmm. So there are several people that, you know, they go out and they're like, well, I've had sex, so I'm a sexologist and I'm an expert now. And unfortunately what happens is when you have people that are vulnerable and really sharing so much of their self with you, it's, it's I, I think that it is more possible to do damage and harm to a person than to help a person. So it's really important to, to have the education, the life experience, the skills, the capacity, the compassion, mm -hmm. and recognize the sacred ground that you're walking on when somebody is really that vulnerable with you. So now that you've sold all of our listeners on working with you, <laughs> <laughs> um, what does working with you look like? Do you, they have like an online application? Can they just find, can they just book an hour mm -hmm. session? What is it, you know, walk us through maybe what it could be and what some of your clients you do see for in a typical client? Yeah, so most of my clients, I don't advertise anywhere. I'm terribly um, technologically inept, so I don't have a website or anything like that. Um, most everybody has come to me through word of mouth mm -hmm. or been referred by their therapist because it's sexually related. Um, and it just depends on what the client needs. I mean, it's gonna be designed for what your needs are. Most of my clients now are all doing teletherapy because COVID. Um, I do have, which works really well, probably half my clientele is teletherapy anyway because I have them all over the world. Um, but those that need to be seen in person, some people depending on their life, they don't, they just feel better being seen in person. That's just something that they, they prefer to do. Um, and then if they're a surrogate client, then those sessions, so like the teletherapy, regular sessions are usually just going to be regular talk therapy, but it's going to be pretty blunt and clear. The sessions are between an hour and hour and a half, just depending on. I book with an hour between because I don't, I don't agree with the 50-minute hour, and I don't agree with cutting somebody off when they're having their emotional time, just being like, "We're at time, sorry, gotta go." <laughs> so I, I make sure to book plenty of time in between to make room for that. Um, and then some clients, if they're surrogates, then they would be a hands-on client. It just depends on what they are. Regardless, mm -hmm. you know, any gender, um, any time, whatever is needed to just help them get to a place. If they're clients that have had sexual trauma, or if they're clients that are virgins, or maybe they have, you know, they suffer with vaginismus or something like that, or erectile challenges, um, just whatever it takes to work through those. Usually, those things are a symptom of something else that's going on. Thank you for saying erectile challenges mm -hmm. and not dysfunction. Because it's not a dysfunction. If you figure, probably, I think the statistics are 80% of people with a penis are going to have a challenge mm -hmm. getting an erection at some point in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. That's hardly a dysfunction. It just dis Only 80%? I just assumed it was like 99%. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Well, that's just the we know of, right? Okay. Because so that are willing I to have to say, to like, so that's gotta be every so man common. I've known has had a problem at some point, at some and point, it's not a it's not a problem. Like, I there are so many other things to do that don't require an erection. You run those it, poor men into the ground, Pamela. That's why <laughs> they're like, I just can't perform anymore. No, it's usually <laughs> but that's what it is. That language right there, perform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they should, yeah. They it's not be, a show. It's not your Yeah, it's not yeah. your job to entertain me. So <laughs> it's not a performance. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. And actually what it usually is is nerves. It's usually the first time I sleep with a man or mm -hmm. second or third. But they, it could be any number of things. You could be with somebody for a long time. Oh, it's, yeah, it's happened with my husband too. Or there's a health yeah. issue yeah. or there's I'm just tired tonight, like mm -hmm. whatever it is, yeah. but it'll happen where it's not working once and it's like crap, what's wrong with me? So the next time they're going like, You're panicking, I really hope that it works mm -hmm. this time, and then it's kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy, and yeah. it just kind of gets where it just stops. It's the same as a female orgasm. Yeah, I was just going to say, you've said that. Oh, yeah, completely. Then you start panicking, and you're like, oh, no, I might not come. Yeah, yeah, because you're worried about what the other person's thinking. And, um, but yeah, it just, it's that type of language change and that type of approach, it's just getting rid of that stigma mm -hmm. and opening people up to that 
optimal sexuality and not the the avoidance of disease or, or something's wrong. Take the goal of orgasm off the table. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Nearly everybody who's ever experienced an orgasm will tell you that it's amazing and that mm -hmm. they love it. But it's not the end all be all. And we tend to get so goal, fo goal focused that we forget that what we're doing in this moment is really nice. And mm -hmm. if it progresses to something more, that's fantastic too, but it doesn't have to. Like you can just enjoy where you're at. Lori, thank you so much for your time today. It, it has been so awesome. <laughs> I love your stories. Yeah. Um, and we'd love to have you back on again because I think we could spend an entire hour just talking about your experience at the Mustang Ranch. Like, that's fascinating. You could. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to hear all about doctorate. Like, I'm such a nerd. I'm an education <laughs> nerd for sure. So that's something I could get on for hours. But thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and really all the things you have to share. And I, again, just appreciate the service that you offer. Thank too. you. Thank you for having yeah, me. It's so important. So important. And I mean, I think there's like really no contest if I had to choose between someone um, like you and someone who is licensed that was so limited that way. I honestly don't know. Well, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But anyway. <laughs> it depends on what you're looking mm -hmm. for too. And it depends also like a lot of times people go to somebody licensed because their insurance covers it. Oh, that's um, a good point. So yeah. that's, you know, that's important too. Yeah. Um, recognizing that, I offer a sliding scale to anybody. So yeah. I have my regular fees, but then if somebody's like, I can't pay that, I totally don't believe that income should be a barrier to care. So I offer a sliding scale for anybody who needs it. And I don't think I've ever had anybody take advantage of that. I don't know, because I'm not going to look at your taxes. So, um, <laughs> But everybody gets the same care regardless, yeah, yeah. because it's... That's important. So, if someone wants to reach you, how do mm -hmm. they do that? Um, my email is drlauriebennettcook at gmail.com. Um, so, they could just plug that in, send me an email. Awesome. Yeah. And that's yeah. uh, L A U R I E mm -hmm. B E N N E T T C O O K at gmail.com. It is. And if you want to reach us, you can do that at saltysexcast at gmail.org. You can also, no, no, uh, com. Com. sorry, <laughs> sorry. You can also, um, it's been a very long you day, are guys. You're still in Moab. I am absolutely in Moab. <laughs> um, you can also support us by becoming a patron on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash saltysexcast. Um, and all of the money that we earn on Patreon goes back into the podcast to make it better. Um, what else? Mariah, you want to talk about Facebook? Facebook? Just, just search us on Facebook, Salty Sex Cast. I mean, you can reach out and maybe we can try to hook you up with like a casting director for porn. <laughs> don't say that. But, I mean, most likely not. <laughs> Since um, we don't know any of those people. Yeah. I'm going to make yeah, some calls. Fun, However, <laughs> if you really want to do some porn, Look up Dan Savage's Hump Fest. Okay. okay. I'm just going to start sending because everybody there. Because he's got, I mean, it's all amateur stuff, and it's fantastic. And I think through the end of the month they're doing, if you've never seen Hump Fest, you must. Okay. I'll send you the link. It's okay. Pretty, That'd be it's great. It's all total plug. Sorry. Hope you don't mind. No, it's not at all. Of this, but it's, it's three to five minutes long amateur porn that people put together and of all different ages and sexes and genders and everything. It's, it's pretty cool. Fun. It's a porn festival that that um, he's been putting on once a year for um, festival. Years. Mm -hmm. yeah. Look at how exciting Brady is. So festival. Do, do people there. submit these? It's just not something you'd expect. Hump <laughs> <laughs> it fest. It's called. It's perfect. I wrote it down. Do, do the amateurs get paid for their submissions? No, you can win. Like you win oh. certain. Categories. categories. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, for different categories. That's I feel like I just want to like yeah. write one. Can I like? You want to write a porn, but yeah. not star in it? Well, I would. Yeah. I have other things that hold me back from that. Okay, but there's a whole other episode for a whole other time. I think. <laughs> watch it. I'll send you the link. Okay. And you can check it out. But okay. I believe that they're going through the end of this month. So yeah. I'm gonna enter in the uh, comedy. Person. Uh, That's you. I will have the camera. You're gonna go in the what? The comedy category. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, you can't be laughing. There's so many funny things that happen in porn. Have you ever watched the blooper reels? No. Okay, maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> They're all. I don't know porn has blooper reels. I didn't either. Where do I find I thought, those? I thought, I thought that's just real life. No, there's, there's blooper. <laughs> they're so funny. That's pretty cool. I, uh, I'll talk about it off air. All right. Thank <clears> you <throat> for joining us for another episode. <laughs> and uh, subscribe and share. And, you know, pass this around like the STD you actually want. Don't forget Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah, Twitter. You kind of let it fizzle. Brady, yeah. spice that up again, please. I've got some stuff to post. The problem is I've lost... The That's okay. We'll get you back in. Yeah, we'll get her. We'll you get her. You got kicked out. out. We're yeah. getting back in. All right. <laughs> all that social media. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Thank you so much, Doctor. Laura. Lori. Doctor Lori. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that to you like six months. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Have a great week and stay sexy and salty. Bye. Bye. Well, puberty's a lot of things. Here's the piece. When you hear about it first, it sounds very strange. Oh, if it really bothers you, you should see a doctor. Then at puberty, certain glands begin to work, and our bodies begin to change. It enlarges the penis itself. And there's a center opening between those two, which is called the vagina. The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help.